challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is God in Country, the collision of faith and politics, hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical Rev. Dr. Sean is a proud military veteran, former law enforcement officer, and founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through counseling, elite life coaching, and national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This series is biblically and politically engaged with the pedal to the metal. With today's edition of God in Country, here is host and author of the acclaimed yet controversial book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America. Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener, a.k.a. The Ninja Pastor, trademarked. So, first things first, this is going to be a very different show. Thank you very much for joining me today. It's an honor to have you. Uh, I want to uh, offer first our deepest condolences from the show uh, and from me personally to the families of the 16 fallen Marines uh, that were killed in the plane crash in Mississippi. Um, I am, uh, I am just, it's, I don't even know what to say to you. And I'm, I'm terribly sorry for your great, great loss. Uh, the country has lost 16 heroes today. Um, I also want to extend someone who knows what that loss is like. I want to extend my very deepest sympathies to Miss Betty Workman in the loss of her great husband. Um, he passed away in a motorcycle accident and they've suffered a, uh, just so much loss, but the loss of Jason Workman, United States Navy SEAL Jason Workman, in uh, which the anniversary is coming up August 6th, 2011, extortion 17. So we, we want to send along our very uh, deepest and, and most sincere and heartfelt condolences to you and your family. Now we want to offer up, I know last week you all, uh, the numbers on the show last week were extraordinary and you all were so kind to listen in and share. Um, it, it is an honor to have you do that. And I, I, everybody was moved by both Mike Brock, uh, who did a great job, first time ever on the radio, and also um, Bryn Sellers. Now, Bryn writes a blog, brynsellers.com, about her experience, as you listened last week, with Carson, a uh, very critically and chronically ill young man, one of twins. And Cole had been very, very healthy. And now all of a sudden, uh, Cole has developed what appears to be Crohn's disease. Was rushed to the ER last night and they are uh, working on him. Look, man, I gotta tell you today, it really falls. I didn't know this when I, when I thought about today's show, which I thought about actually this afternoon. Um, it, it, it's, it appears to be Crohn's. He had a severe pain, abdominal pain, and spiked a fever. And they were different. Uh, the symptoms and the inflammation is a different place than Carson. But uh, we are praying and praying and praying and praying that uh, against this. That's the last thing they need is, is another child uh, with this terrible, terrible disease. Welcome, by the way, to our guest in uh, chat. Chat is open. We'd love for you to join us. Also, we are going to take calls today. 
So um, if you're not driving, write this number down, 646-595-4641. That's 646-595-4641. And we'd love to have you call in and chime in on the show today. But we really, um, we really, really, really uh, need to pray all around the world, all you people uh, need to pray all around the world for this family, the Sellers family. They, they have dealt with so much. Oh, my goodness. It's just, um, you know, you, you don't hardly know what to say, quite honestly. People say, oh, I just don't know what to say. I really don't know what to say. I wish I had words to say, you know, and, and that's true. That's true. And, and uh, I couldn't have known this. I didn't, I didn't know this until, um, until this afternoon. And I, and I, it just is stunning to me. Really, really uh, stunning. So, I don't know. Sometimes, I, I, you know, I look at this and I, and I look at, you know, I'm a, I'm a Bible person. I'm a, I'm a deep belief person. I talked about this on Sunday, by the way. There's two parts. Uh, Sunday, this Sunday was the second of two this past Sunday. And now... Um, uh, this last Sunday was part two, and then uh, the Sunday before was part one. I encourage you to listen to that. It really ties into what we're talking about today, and it's free. If you go to drshawngreener.com or uh, theninjapastor.com, go over to listen, click on that. While you're at it, uh, you know, click on the sign up. It, it's worth it. It really is worth it. Nothing, it doesn't cost you anything. We don't spam you. We don't send you stuff. It's just, you know, that's the way you get your notifications and all that stuff. Now, if you go to drshawngreener.com, if you follow the link to my blog, then you saw the post today, and someone has already asked me about the photos. Uh, the photos that are on there um, are all, well, except for the ones of the crash, are my original photos. So that's kind of uh, what I do. So very, very blessed to be uh, out there and with the very best of people out among nature. And just trying to observe and take in what uh, what God has provided us is just extraordinary. So I'm I you know my mind is so on this. I just uh, oh thank you very much. I appreciate that. Somebody said uh, hi Sean was pulling weeds last Sunday and the one before were superb. Thank you so much for that. And uh, the person that put that in chat, um, I've seen photographs of their garden. It is extraordinary. This garden is extraordinary. I'm really super impressed. Um, really, really blown away by that. And that's what I aspire to. Now, physically, I can't do that anymore. But um, I will tell you, uh, this guy, you know, all of their own food, I'm, I'm pretty sure that they, uh, it, it's extraordinary. It really, really is extraordinary. So I'm, I'm blown away. I'm blown away by what some people can do. You know, and, and, and what different people do with their lives, the circumstances uh, that they do with their lives. Uh, some people are in the, uh, you know, they're in the retirement stage. You know, that, that's the part of their life, you know, if you want to break it down to stages, that's the part of their life that they're in. That's that's where they are, the retirement part. Uh, we love you too, man. Thank you. Um you know, that's the part where some people are. And, and then others, you know, like uh, Mike Brock last week, you know, he talked about 
seeing his friend and the girlfriend of his of his one of his very close friends had given up on life and and taken her own life and he discovered her and you know tough man it's tough the, the place people are in it's just sometimes it's hard to figure out you know where somebody is but we're not there we're not in each other's skin and i think for uh, the most part i think it's uh again welcome to other guests in in um in chat by the way if i suddenly stop talking or i sound like i'm not breathing i'm allergic to bees very very allergic to bees and i just went out with my little dog buckeye and was putting some food out for the bunnies along the woods and oddly enough i got stung by a bee and i don't normally get stung they normally want nothing to do with me but i guess i might have stepped on a ground nest or something and i don't know if it's the kind of bee that i'm allergic to but i don't feel any symptoms and that was you know a good 10 minutes to go so but if it's suddenly silent, you'll you'll hear sirens in the background as they come get me because I don't, I don't uh, certain bees I don't tolerate very well. But it looks like so good so far so good, you know. So, you know, I, look, one of the struggles about doing this is one of the last things I'd ever want to do ever in my whole entire. <laughs> Look, uh, upstate New York says, I think I'm the only, I am only allergic to liberals. Break out in a sweat. Amen. And so I, one of the struggles of doing the show, you know, every, every week, twice a week, you know, I preach a sermon on Sunday from 5.30 to 6.30, and that's completely commercial free. And then I do this, which is sort of more of a blend of the, the collision of faith and politics. And I guess you would say the collision of of. Uh, faith and and secular, you know, those types of things. And so one of the struggles is, and I could do a show, by the way, I could do a show. We have a program that we could do a show every single day for two hours a day if we wanted. Um, but I never want to get on the radio. I never want to do anything uh, that I would put out to other people that I'm, that I don't feel like would be of benefit to them. And uh, just like my photographs, the photographs I post, like the ones that are on the blog post at drshawngreener.com, those are precious to me. They were shared experience with, you know, people that, that enjoy this. I met a, a great guy who's also named Shawn Michael, a pilot in our Air Force who was flying a, one of those um, kite surfer. He was a kite surfer, really nice guy. And uh, I if you go to my Facebook, you'll see that. Also, it's on my YouTube page, The Ninja Pastor. If you go to that, uh, click on subscribe while you're there. You can watch this video of this guy, what he was doing. It's just extraordinary. Just extraordinary. You look at look at different people, how they live their life, and you say, well, what's important to them? What, what matters most to them? And I got to thinking about it, and I just thought, you know, there's a lot of people. There are a lot of people who are really struggling really struggling. They're going from one struggle to the next struggle to the next struggle. They're, they're really living one disaster to the next. And I hate that. I do. I hate it. I I, I have to just be real with you and tell you, I, I hate it. I hate it for them. Now, when I got hurt real, real bad, uh, and I've been hurt real bad before, but this one was 92 miles per hour versus 51 miles per hour. People are asking, was, were you in that black car on the post? Yeah, I sure was. I was, yeah. The, uh, the the front wheel is actually where my feet are supposed to be. And if you look at the steering wheel, the steering wheel is bent from my mouth. I hit it with my, with just below my lip. And, and I actually, despite the, um, despite the airbag deployment, you know, that happened. 
it was real you know it was real stuff and and praise god i survived that you know only only by god's grace and so in times like that when you're in a circumstance like if you're in combat the circumstances live the next 30 30 seconds 30 minutes 30 hours whatever the case may be keep alive stay alive stay focused stay in the fight lean over till you're dead lean over till it's over so you just don't quit and some people in their lives like you know during that traumatic time and the crash and we're fighting to stay alive we're fighting to stay alive we're fighting to make it some of you have been in some difficult circumstances in your in your families you somebody got sick like now cole is sick cole sellers and carson has been so terribly ill some of you sick parents sick spouse You know, my dear friend Jill, uh, she and John, you know, they're hardworking people, entrepreneurs. They host our Kehala on Sundays in, in right near Hocassin, Delaware, in Newark, Delaware, off of Planet Drive. And and Jill takes care of her mother. Her mother's in a nursing home. She's in her 70s and she needs help. And she's there every day, every day. Dedicated, focused, unrelenting in her expert loving care for her mother and, and and so that's what matters most at the moment in that circumstance that's what matters most you know i took note when i was uh, at the beach last week it was rainy uh it was not what you would call a beach day but i wanted to you know i learned in in this one seminar uh tony sweet and ed uh two of my favorite photographers of all time said go anyway you, you'll never capture a great shot if you go, oh, it's raining. Oh, it looks like it's going to rain. You know, you got to get out there. And when I'm able physically to do any of that stuff, I do it. I can't do it all the time. You never know. I never know when I wake up what I'm going to be like. Never know in an hour what I'm going to be like. You just don't know. There's no way to know. So you, you go when you can. And you do what you can while you're there within your limitations. So that's what I did. And, and what mattered most to me was just being fully present on that beach, being fully present, taking it in. Not, ooh, can I get a great shot that I might be able to sell or win a contest? You know, I'd love to win a contest that there's a money, uh, you know, some sort of you win money because I need to pay for therapy. I'm supposed to be in physical therapy and ocular therapy and, uh, you know, get all kinds of stuff done to me, and, and I don't do it because I don't have any insurance. So if I won, hey, I'd, I'd use some of the money to keep the show going, and I'd use some of the money for therapy. The fact of the matter is, is while I'm there, I can't be worried about all that stuff. I got to worry, not even worry, I got to focus on seeing everything that's around me. Fully experiencing what I'm experiencing. Drinking it all in, tasting it all. Experiencing joy, even in the rain. Just taking it in, maybe noticing something I hadn't noticed before. I posted a, uh, a video. I don't think this one is on YouTube yet. Maybe it is at the Ninja Pastor on YouTube, uh, but I, it's definitely on Facebook. Um, this guy fishing. I mean, I, I was down at the Southern Beach at Indian River. 
And and this guy was awesome. I mean, you know, it was a break between the rain. It was it was not attractive weather, to be honest. He and his whole family and extended family were there. You're on vacation. You don't have that's the thing about coming to the beach vacation, doing something outdoor. You've you just gotta take what you get. And so he was out there in between the rain squalls. And I mean it was raining so hard, seriously. It was unreal. And he was in such joy. He was all by himself for most of the time. Toward the end, uh, I think his kids and maybe nieces and nephews came up, but he was focused on fishing. Now, he didn't catch a single fish while I was there. Honest to goodness, not one fish. Not one fish. But he was so enjoying the moment. He had a smile on his face. And, of course, anybody I photograph individually. Now, if I photograph a crowd, I don't have to ask their permission and all that stuff, although I generally do. And, obviously, if I'm to enter it in a contest or I'm going to sell the photo, I have to I have to, uh, I have to, ask. I have to get a release. But So I went up to him and I asked him, and I said, you know, hey, would you mind if I shoot some video and take some photographs of you fishing? Oh, no, no problem. All I'm doing is fishing. That's it. I said, one thing, huh? Yep, that's it. I said, well, enjoy, man. Don't let me get in your way. And so I filmed them. And, and then some of the clips that happened were, uh, you know, the waves get really serious. You know, it's, it's a, you know, you're fishing on a, on a jetty. And, and if you fall into that water, or you get, you know, blown away by a wave. And now you're in the inlet. That's some of the worst current you'll ever experience in your life. I don't care how fast a swimmer you are. You might hit your head on the giant rocks and not be able to swim. But he was fully focused. He wasn't catching any fish, but he was having fun. Well, one of these little videos that I posted is it, it, it shows, it documents that this guy, and I even put it in slow motion when when the wave hits, you know, you get a little bit of water on your feet, but when this wave hits, I mean it drenched him. Un unfazed. Seriously, he was unfazed. It was it was nothing to him. Nothing. He just smiled and kept fishing. Really a neat guy. Really a neat guy. He was fully present. What mattered most was, all right, I got to stay on this jetty. I don't want to get blown into the water. I don't want to put my hook in somebody, so I got to be careful how I cast and, you know, just pay attention to the rules of successful fishing. And I'll tell you what, sometimes people get into this place where they, they, look, I, Somebody asked me, why do you do uh, archery? I do archery for physical therapy because the uh, the doctors and the physical therapists, when I was getting therapy and going to the doctor, said, hey, you know what? You got to do this. You got to open up your lungs. You got to open up your, you know, you got to use your shoulders. You know, I have trouble lifting uh, my arms above my shoulders. They said, you got to do it. You got to force yourself to do it. We'd rather it happen here. But look, if you can't afford to come here, you're going to have to do it some way. And they said, we'd like to see you expand your chest, you know. Photography is really good for the eyes because my eyes are all messed up now from the brain injury. My shoulders are messed up from the impact. I, my left shoulder is held together with a titanium special thing. They had to take the pieces of bone out of my pectoral muscle and, and drag it back up. Put it whatever they could together and screw it in and put this big plate on. So they said, hey, this archery thing. And then the photography. 
Do something where you have to focus on something. Use both eyes. So I picked photography and I love it. I absolutely love it. But you know what? When I'm doing those things, some people have asked me, you know, why do you do that? With all you have going on in your life, you know, all the struggles, why do you do that? You know one thing I don't think about when I'm out doing archery? It's the things that are wrong in the world, the things that are wrong in my life, why things are so screwed up. When I'm out doing photography, the only thing I'm thinking about is not melting in the summer or freezing in the winter, uh, making sure I have my little hunting tent, my little hunting chairs, making sure I have all that I need. Focusing on the woods, the sounds, the smells. When I'm doing photography, paying attention to what's around me. Enjoying it. I don't think about what's what in the world's going on in the world. I don't think about why things are so screwed up in the world. What matters most to me in those moments, and it's what, what helps me and it calms me, is right there and right then. And you can't. You can't completely be lost there because sometimes some things that can harm you can come up and harm you if you're not paying attention. But look, there, there are many, many times when I wonder, what in the world is going on with this world? So many crazy things. Have you ever wondered that? Have you ever wondered what in the world is going on in this world? You look around everywhere you look. There's trials and tribulation. People are angry with one another you know the left is the left are now doing these uh i don't call them demonstrations they're riots they're defacing monuments and statues and they're and they're they're harming innocent people because they disagree with them all the things they said they wouldn't do so much is happening you know you'd be surprised what your tax money goes to Feels like sometimes you don't have any control. This administration has pulled that back to such a degree, it deserves an award. But instead, he just chased after, chased after, and chased after by the left. And some dirty people on the right. You know, that's politics. That's sure you could say, well, that's just politics. Well, no, it's not just politics. It's pot. Look, if you, you say, look, I don't have anything to do with politics, then you don't have anything to do with your world. You've thrown your hands up and you've said, you know what, I'm not going to. I'm just going to cede control over my life. I'm just not going to care. Everybody's got to be involved in politics, especially people of faith. You know, sometimes I, I wonder which of these is more important. As I was thinking about it this afternoon, this is what I thought. Is it, is it more important to know what is wrong? To figure out what it is. What is this? What is this that's wrong? Do I need to make a list? With my paper and my pen? What do I need to do? Do I need to, is this the most important thing? Do I need to know what is wrong? Or is, the, is it the most important thing is to find out, well, how did this get so screwed up? In my book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Amazon, BarnesandNoble.com, all those different places. Also on my website, DrSeanGreener.com, TheNinjaPastor.com, go over read. It's right there on the top left. You know, in that book, I talk about it. I, I, 
I talk about how things got so screwed up. How did things get so screwed up? I talk about some of the problems. Look, that's not all the problems in the world. No, it is not. Nowhere close all the problems in the world. One person can't solve all the problems in the world. That's one of the things that, you know, no politician can do it. We hear all this stuff about politicians and, you know, the promises that a lot of them make. And, and, and they say, I'm going to do all this. Very few of them say, I'm sure going to try. How did it get so screwed up? How did it get like this? You know, and, and look, I'm not talking about, I don't want you to feel for one second, not one second, that somehow or another I'm saying, that this is only, only politics that I'm talking about. Man, I'm talking about your whole life. I'm talking about my whole life. I'm talking about, you know, that moment or that several moments or that year or that job you had just about killed you. Or that mate you had just about killed you. Or that one mistake. That one mistake that you've been running from your whole life. So which is it? Which is more important? To know what is wrong? Or is it to know how did it get so screwed up in the first place? Or or how to fix what's wrong? Maybe we abandon one and two. Maybe we say, hey, you know what? I don't necessarily need to know what's wrong. I just need a basic number and how it got so screwed up. I, yeah, I need to know that. But I need to know how to fix it. All right, whatever. Right? That's what men do. Women, husbands, love husbands. When the love wife comes to you and she says, man, I just got a vent. You know what you do? You go, mm -hmm. yes, ma'am. You pray for her while she's going through the things that are bothering her so much. The thing that upset her so much. Because you know what? More often than not, you're not going to be able to fix it. What do men do? We want to fix it. Look, I don't need to know everything. Just I'm going to fix it. I need to know how to fix it. Let's fix it. But the thing is, sometimes, you know, we, I, women, men, maybe the, maybe the most important is to ask the question, hey, is this something I should even be fixing? Is this something we should be addressing at all? Or should I just let it be? Is this something that I, that I need to address? Or is this just something that I need to say, you know what? Sometimes some things are this way. And you know there is nothing in the world that I'm going to be able to do about this. And I got to let it go. I can't stress over it. I can't make myself sick over it. I got to get to work. I got to get home. I got to pick up my baby. I got to pick up my child from college. I got to, I got to get groceries. Times are tough financially for a lot of people. And so you got to figure out, okay, how am I going to make this money work? Can't fix everything, but you do what you can. You do what you can. Some stuff you just shouldn't fix. You know, and maybe part of that is some stuff you shouldn't fix is, is Sometimes when somebody's just so darn angry, you can't barely even talk to them. You can't half talk to somebody that's mad all the time. Nobody wants to. But somebody loves that person. 
till you burn through. You burn through that list of people that love you because you've been a jerk for a long time. You know, women beating down their men, men beating down their women, emotionally, spiritually. Sometimes you can't fix that person. Maybe it's a different type of disagreement or, or a way that you're you're not alike and, and you're not compatible and you just keep trying to fix it and it's, it's not going to fix. Sometimes you have to walk away from the angry person, the person who's ungrateful all the time, mad at everything, blaming everything and everybody but themselves. That leads me to this. Do some people in some places sometimes focus too much too much effort, too much time, too much angst, too much worry, too much anger on stupid stuff. Genuinely stupid stuff. Self-centered. Man, I'll tell you what, that's a hard thing to break in somebody if they're self-centered. They're, sometimes it's us, sometimes it's them. Sometimes we are too tied up in the minutia of our lives, of ourselves. Self-centered. Stupid stuff, stuff we can easily fix, but we want to rant over it. We want to complain over it. We want to cry over it. We want to rail against it. We want attention. But what actually is the minutia? What is, yeah, don't sweat the small stuff. Don't sweat the small stuff. I know you know that. People tell you that all the time, don't they? Don't sweat the small stuff. We say that to other people. Don't sweat the small stuff. We repeat it over and over and over. One of these days, we just might believe it. One of these days, we just might believe it. these days you all have heard that round to it when I get around to it I'm handless when I get around to it don't sweat the small stuff get around to that sometimes the small stuff that we sweat all the time it's just stupid and when we're out of that thing when that thing is past when the urgency the thing is we're so stressed up. We're so wound up. We're so Twitter-pated over it. Man, oh, man, we can't focus on anything else. And then it passes. It gets resolved, or God resolves it, or we resolve it, or we say, hey, you know what? I know what to do on this. What in the world am I doing whining and moaning? I know what I need to do. And then it happens. The thing fix. It fix. We get so hung up on this first world inner child stuff that we miss the real world stuff of life. We get so hung up on this first world inner child. We're, we just want somebody to fix it. Fix it. Big or small, we want somebody to fix it. It's the real world stuff of life and in the larger discussion of what matters most. That's the minutiae. That's the stuff we get. So maybe maybe the real question is, what does matter most? 
Maybe that's the thing we got to resolve is what matters most. I'd venture to say it's different things to different people what matters most. I'd venture to say that if I look at your life and the complaint in your life, I might have recommendations. Now, it's a little unfair advantage. I do have a counseling degree, and, and so I might have a little leg up. Maybe, maybe not. But I might look at your life and say, well, okay, this is, this is what I'd work on first. This is how I would do it. These are the resources I would pull into play. Part of my brain injury is uh, sequence, chronology and sequence. I can't sequence things. Can't put together a 20-piece, uh, you know, I have a genius IQ, and I can't put together a 20-piece puzzle because I can't figure out what goes with what. Tell me to count to 20. By the time I get to 11, I've forgotten what I'm doing. What in the world am I doing? I used to could preach and speak for over two hours and never have a note. Now I better have a note or I'm going to get lost. And I still get lost, even with notes. Sometimes I stand there and I forget what I'm doing. Lights are on me. People are listening. What? How do I get here? What am I doing here? Sometimes what matters most is the simple thing of figure out where you are and what you're doing. You better figure out what you are and what you're doing. You better figure it out. In my case, sometimes uh, I have this foot strike thing where I don't feel my feet hitting the ground. And I don't see, because of the vision issue, I don't see the up and down. I don't see a step. I don't see a curb. It all looks the same to me. And it all is out of whack, you know, when I'm standing up. So what I better do is figure out what's underneath my feet, what's ahead of me a few feet. Can't start walking until you figure that out or you're going to fall. I know that. 11 times. Probably happen again. Sometimes you got to figure out what matters most. And sometimes that thing that matters most is not remotely what someone else in your life might say. And it might not be that thing that you would say. You say, well, I think what I need to do the most right now is this or that. You know, I've, uh, I've dealt with a lot of people who've had serious addiction problems whether it's alcohol or drugs. And, and the first thing I tell them to do, what should I do first, doc? Stop doing the thing that's making you sick. You've got a big gaping hole, a bleeding, gushing blood hole. You know what you better do? You better patch up that hole. You better patch that hole up. You better stop that bleeding. That's number one. That's number one. You better stop that bleeding. Because you know what? You're not going to survive. Keep bleeding. You're going to die. That's one thing we know. We only have so much. We need to have it inside our bodies, not outside our bodies. What matters most when you have a big gaping wound is stop the bleeding. Then down the road, you know, a little bit, once we've got the trauma stopped, once we've got the bleeding stopped, you know what we've got to do next? We've got to say, hey, you know what? There might be some dirty stuff in here. We're going to have to clean that out. We're going to have to keep this thing clean. Get it clean and keep it clean. I don't know about you. But the first thing is to stop the blood from spilling all over the ground. 
Because if it's on the ground, it's not my body. And if it's not my body, I can't live. Seems so simple, doesn't it? It does. It seems so simple in life. But somewhere along the way, we lose what matters most to us, not only long term, but in the moment. I can't tell you how many things have been in front of me with my camera. And I've chosen. I was just talking to a dear friend of mine the other day about this. And I said, sometimes I don't take the photograph. Sometimes I just take it into my eyes because I'll lose some beautiful part of it. Some beautiful part of it. This experience that I'm having, I'll lose it because I'm trying to capture it on film. What do you say? Well, if you capture it on film, you have it forever. No. No, you don't. You might have a photograph of that thing that transfixed you or compelled you to look. But if you miss out, if you miss out, if you miss out on that moment, you've missed it forever. You say, well, I didn't get the photograph. Well, why didn't I get the photograph? Well, I was trying to. I was trying to get my camera out. I was trying to change lenses. I was trying to do whatever it took to get it, and I missed it. It's gone. You know, taking it back to the macro, and we'll be back to the personal here in a second, taking it back to the macro, our country is in serious trouble. Look now, if 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 that hasn't occurred to you, I don't know how you got a hold of this show. Just under 1.5 million of you last week listened to last week's show. I don't know how any of you found out about it. If that's not your thing, if you say, man, this is, I don't care, I don't pay any mind to it. I just go on. Do my thing. I don't pay any mind any of that. Well, eventually it don't matter. We've got a lot of bleeding in this country, not to get too political on y'all, but there's a lot of bleeding in this country. The country is bleeding. And at some point, we need to stop the bleeding. So, you know, it's, 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 it's on the big, you know, the big screen of, of, of the country, and it's also on the big screen and the small screen of our life, what's happening right there. One thing that, speaking of small screens, one thing that's always uh, blown me away, I don't think I want to do too many selfies because I don't have the kind of face that people would go, well, that's a good selfie. What they say when they see a, a picture I took of myself is, oh, bless his heart. Bless his heart. Simple. Poor old simple country boy. Bless his heart. Taking a picture of himself. I don't know what for, but whatever. Well, his mama loves him. And they'll be in front of people will be taking these selfies, and they'll be at the Grand Canyon. There'll be some big event. Some big thing is happening, and they'll take a selfie. They want to get it just right. They want to get it just right. They want to they make sure they look good. And all the while, they are missing the thing that they'll never get back. I don't know. I'm thinking maybe what does matter most, maybe that's what we have to figure out. We have to figure that out first before anything else. 
No matter what we do, we got to figure that out. We can't move forward until we've got it figured out. What matters most? I guess you could say, now I put a, uh, several photographs on this post. I'd love for you to go there and look at those. Those are all my original photography. And I, I, I kind of remember each and every one. Some I don't remember, even though they were just not that long ago. But And then some I do remember. That's how brain injury works. You just don't know what will stick. And you don't know when you'll have it. And you don't know when you'll lose it. And you don't know that you lost it. The brain runs everything, folks. When it's messed up, everything else goes with it. But there's one particular uh, photograph I took that I, I love. I just really, really enjoy this photograph. I enjoy looking at it. Because in a moment, I was standing there. Now, in that moment, I was getting eaten up by bugs. Summer evening, I was out with my little doggy Buckeye, who's right behind me right now, guarding my six. Protecting me. More like sleeping, but whatever. You know, I'm going to tell you something. I was standing there getting eaten up by bugs, but I was so moved. I had my camera in front of me and I didn't even, I didn't even put my eye to the viewfinder, just kind of held it out in front and gently squeezed the trigger. You don't press the trigger, you gently, that's what you do. Gently, just like a trigger on a firearm. Hard focus on the front side and press. The camera goes off like a surprise, although you don't flinch. But a lot of us, you know, I'm going to tell you something. We miss it all because we're all spun out. We're all spun out doing stuff and thinking stuff and feeling things and worrying over stuff. And hurts habits and hangups. Lots of people like that cause their own trouble, self-caused trouble. Poison our own life. I'll tell you, I love, it's something I started doing, I should have done a long time ago. My Saturdays are the rejuvenate day. Photographs, experiencing new places, letting, letting my mind offload if I'm physically able to do it, bathing myself in all the beauty, washing over myself in the beauty, letting it just wash over me and the peace. My buddy Dave Partridge, you guys know, I talk about Lieberman early all the time, uh, not just Lieberman early all the time, but Dave Partridge, he's a commercial real estate guy, really the best. I mean, it, it, I think it's unfair to other people to be in his business because he is so good at what he does. I mean, he is just so good at what he does. Extraordinary. Just extraordinary. And I have to tell you, uh, if you, if you're in Pennsylvania, the state of Pennsylvania, the, no, I'm sorry, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, if you're there, you need to get a hold of Dave. You're moving your business. You want to grow your business. Maybe your business didn't grow like you thought and you've got to change locations. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's time to talk to somebody like Dave. A professional. 
somebody that somebody that knows the market, knows what's around. Get this guy on your side. He will come alongside of you. He'll be your partner, not just for a commission. And I don't know. I'll honestly tell you, I don't know any commercial real estate guys or ladies who will give you their absolute direct number. Dave's direct number is 610-225-0914. That is 610-225-0914. No better person you can put on your team. If you're a business, large or small, he's the guy. I'll tell you what matters most in the in a business if you're in a, if you have a great business and you're in a terrible location, you know, if you're an internet-based business, who cares where you are? You could be in your bathrobe, in your boxers, in your bikini. Wherever, doing whatever. If you're in that place, who cares? But look, if you got somebody coming to your business, they're there, that's what you've got to do. That's what you've got to do. You've got to have the good guy. 610-225-0914. David Partridge. We've been friends for decades. I'm telling you, there's no better. So some people have sent me some comments about the pictures of the car. You know, I was in that car. Struck head on, 92 miles per hour versus 51. I was going 51. I went from 51 miles per hour to zero in seven feet. <laughs> zero. And so some folks said, well, what does this have to do with what you're talking about? Let me tell you something. Well, sitting in that car... I was trapped. I was dead for several minutes. Didn't know it, of course. When you're dead, you don't know it. Or at least I didn't know it. I didn't, I didn't have a near-death experience or anything like that. The two firemen checked me and said I was dead. So they left me be in my car. That was my, that was my place of death. It was right there. My last breath was drawn in that vehicle. My last heartbeat was in that vehicle. At 6.17 and 59 seconds, I did not know that was where I was going to die. But it was. I also didn't know that that's where I would come back to life. And when I did, I was in that car and I prayed three prayers, a prayer of contrition for my many, many sins, my many wrongs, my many hurts, habits, and hang-ups. That was my tomb. I might as well. I'm, I'm, I'm going to my maker. It's not going to be long. Then I prayed. A, after my prayer of contrition, I prayed a prayer of petition for the people in the other vehicle. Now, a young man, 17 years old, headed to college to play football. A young man I knew well. My son was friends with him, played the same position in football. He was in the passenger side and he was killed. And then I prayed a prayer of thankfulness. Thank you, God, that I didn't bring my dog with me today. Thank you that nobody I love was in that car with me today. 
You say, why are the pictures in there? What's that have to do? What mattered most in those moments was breathing the next breath. Being able to draw air into my lungs, I took a massive hit head on, 92 miles per hour versus, versus 51 miles per hour head on. You got to draw breath or you'll die. Sometimes the circumstances will tell you this is what matters most. Remember I said a few minutes ago about the person bleeding. You got this huge gash. Well, listen, if you've got a huge gash in your leg and blood is pumping out, you don't look down at your toes and go, you know, I need to do something about those, those nails. I need to get somebody to trim those nails. And that's what I can't do right now. I'm always pulling my toenails off because I bend over and I don't know it, but it catches on whatever and off it goes. Then I've got a bloody mess going on. I know it's gross, but that's how I live my life now. It's just the reality of my life. Closed toe shoes, probably I'm wearing them all the time. I probably should do that. I'm telling you, you've got to stop the bleeding. The, the, the toenails aren't an issue at that moment. You've got to stop the bleeding. If you're not breathing, you've got to breathe. It comes sometimes that the circumstances create an obvious answer. If you're getting beaten by your spouse, the obvious answer is get away. Get away from them and stay away from them. If someone is harming you, get away and stay away. Sometimes the answer is very simple. You say, well, what do I do next? Don't worry about next. Do this part first. Trust me, it'll be hard enough. Do that part first. Do the part that saves your life first. Then we'll work on the other part. I'll tell you, there's a lot of people running around with huge gaps. Huge gaps in their life. Lots of times those gaps came from when they were kids. When we were kids. Jack Johnson, he's, I'll, I'll read you the lyrics here. Love is the answer. This is a, a, a compelling, very compelling. It, it went right to my heart. Love is the answer, at least for most of the questions in my heart. Like, why are we here? And where do we go? And how come it's so hard? There is no combination of words I could put on the back of a postcard, no song that I could sing, but I can try for your heart, our dreams, and they are made out of real things, like a shoebox of photographs with sepia-toned loving. Love is the answer, at least for most of the questions in my heart, like why are we here and where do we go? And how come it's so hard? It's not always easy, and sometimes life can be deceiving. I'll tell you one thing, it's always better when we're together. It's always better when we're together. Yeah, we'll look at the stars when we're together. Well, it's always better when we're together. And all of these moments just might find their way into my dreams. Tonight. There's more to the song, but that's suffice it to say, there, there so many people need love. You say, Dr. Sean, I never heard you speak so simply. Is it really that simple? Yes. Real, genuine love. Doesn't mean it's not complicated. I'm not saying some simple thing. I'm saying sometimes love is not simple. We're all looking for love and to feel important. Look, not all of us want to be the president of the United States. Not all of us want to be an astronaut. Not all of us want to be king of the hill. 
propane and propane accessories. You all will get that. By the way, let's pray for my buddy. Add him to the, the prayer list. He goes tomorrow regarding his blood pressure. You know, he's fighting pancreas cancer. And his blood pressure has crept up. We need to pray for him that they'll be able to find the, the resolution. We're all looking for love and to feel important in our sphere. It doesn't have to be in the major world. It's just got to be in our sphere. It's got to be where we live, when we live, there in the moment. That's why dogs and, and pets that love you are so important to some people. My dog never, ever, ever shortchanges me on love. I'll tell you that right now. Never shortchanges me on love. Never does. She's always loving me. She's always protecting me. She's always trying to find a way to help me out. But you know, the cool thing is, is that she relies on me too. Last night at 4.45 in the morning, I heard her, you know, get out of bed and and whine a little bit. Not so much to be an annoyance, but just enough to get my attention. And she never does that. She ne She's very thoughtful. She never wants to bother me. She can't get the door for herself and she can't let, let herself out. So she said, Daddy, I need you to help me. Would you mind helping me? And I did. Poor thing is not feeling well. Listen, looking for love is great. You need love. But you know what? Sometimes some people aren't loved because they don't love. They're all the time tied up in their own mind and their own self. The minutiae of life, they never get out of that. And they get lost. And then it becomes a perpetual thing, repetitive thing, self-perpetuating angst, self-perpetuating anger, self-perpetuating loss. Self-perpetuating loneliness. I tell you, you look at every problem and that's the source. Looking for love and trying to feel worthwhile, trying to feel important. Look, I, I think you could take a look at drugs and alcohol abuse. People that abuse alcohol and drugs, looking to feel better, looking to feel good, looking to feel loved and worthy of love. Well, we want to be rich so somebody will love us. Maybe if I make enough money, somebody will love me. Somebody will look at me and go, well, yeah, okay, I know they're interested in, but by me, somebody will notice me and they really will love me if I'm rich. We want families. You know, I hate to say this, but, but people on the LGBT side, they want family because maybe they didn't. And the studies show this. I'm not, I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings, but most of the people on that side, and, and, and straight people are, are not immune, let's be honest. But in the gay community, you look at it, you interview them if they're honest, and they'll they'll tell you. They didn't have a good life growing up. They didn't have a good family growing up. And they want to feel loved, and they want to feel special to somebody. LGBT or straight, that's the facts, man. And we could lie about it. We could tell ourselves that it isn't that way, but it is that way. And the sooner we stop lying to ourselves, we can stop lying to everybody else. And we can say, well, this is truth, and I can live in truth. It'll hurt, but I'll live in it. Not Look, I'm not going to get churchy on you, but God told us that this was how we were made for family. 
look, this is why church is so important. This is why, and I don't want to say church is so important, but worshiping together, praying together, your ladies group, this is why that time is so precious. No matter how important that other thing seems, that Tuesday night or Wednesday night or Friday night or whatever, if your ladies group or your men's group is going out drinking, well, that's not much of a group. That doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help you. It makes everything worse. But God told us this is how we were made. We got to have family. So that ladies group, that women's you know, Bible study, that men's Bible study, I talked to a buddy of mine uh, who uh, one of my dear friends invited uh, this other friend to a Bible study. And I called the friend and said, hey, what do you think about getting a hold of my buddy and uh, finding out where and when that is? And, and maybe you could go. And he said, you know, I've been really needing that. I've been wanting to do that. Look, look, family, real family is real family. And worship is, you. if you go to a place, now we have a Kehala, if you're in Delaware, Maryland, Pennsylvania, or New Jersey area, uh, we've had people come from as far away as New York. We've had people coming from as far away as just outside of D.C. Actually, we've had people there from Japan and, and Tennessee. But the fact is, on a weekly basis, if you live in, in the Delaware, Maryland, Pennsylvania, New Jersey area, you're close enough. We'll feed you at five. Part of family is eating together. We miss out on that, eating together. Maybe when you grew up, you didn't have family meals. I saw this on the television the other night. They were talking about nobody eats. Nobody eats together anymore. The family's falling apart. You know, the left, the left talks about family, but all they want to do is destroy traditional family. That's how you get at it. That's how Satan, that's how Satan does it. And you know what he says? He says you can have all those feelings without the hassle of a family or commitment to one husband or one wife. That's what he says. He tells you that. He says, look, you can have drugs or power or casual sex, as much porn as you want, free of charge. It's the same. Actually, it's better. So Satan says, hey, why are you worrying about all that getting along with family business? Why are you worried about the hassle of family or commitment? You can have all the drugs. You can have all the power, all the sex. And as much porn as you want, nobody even cares. Nobody's going to bother you. It's free. But you know, here's the thing. We are taking things further and further in the opposite directions. And we're wondering why things get worse. Why, why are they getting so much worse? We can't, we can't ask ourselves that, folks. we got to quit asking ourselves stupid questions. Why are things getting worse? Well, I'll tell you why. We're making worse. We're listening to the wrong guy. We're listening to the wrong advice. We, we are taking things in this further and further opposite direction than where we need to be going. We're wondering why things keep getting worse. We're wondering why nothing gets better. Look, God was clear. He said family, generation after generation, generation caring for generation, community, where you say, I know I'm going to see Bob or Bill or Mike. I look, Here you go. Here's one good thing. My buddy Cheech. Hopefully he's listening. He's over in Ohio. We kind of helped start a church together. And Cheech called me today, and I haven't talked to Cheech in a long time. But Cheech reminded me of Around the Fire. This is a thing we had. We had the most vibrant men's group I have ever been a part of. And I'm telling you, it was for real, for real. There was no 
bovine feces spread around that fire. Now we did burn furniture. I mean, one of the guys has a really beautiful home and a huge yard. And, and no matter what the weather, we would be outside burning stuff and sitting around the fire, having good food. We bring good food. And it just was awesome. And men were real with men and God. And I remember how awesome that felt to be there and to be a part of that community. Look, you know, people can say community and they say it, well, I like to be in community. You know, they talk about that in a lot of the liberal um, liberal uh, seminaries. Well, you want to, you, among your people, you want in your church, you want to encourage community, you know. Well, community is real. Community is, uh, it, it's people who are real with one another and say, hey, you flipping matter to me, dude. Where are you? It, we had a guy there who had a major alcohol and drug problem. And when he wasn't there, we all prayed and we all worried and we all used our phones right then to take turns calling the dude, dude, where are you? Are you on your way? We would pester him till he came back. And a couple of times we called this dude and he had so many people calling him. They was like, ah, crap, man, I wasn't going to go because I was tired of it and I just didn't want to go and I just didn't want to face my stuff. Well, we said, get here, dude. And he got there. We loved on him as, as, as brothers, as friends. There were people there that were dealing with some of the, the worst things ever in all of life. We said, man, it's easier together. And we gave real advice. And then somebody would say, man, I got to go do this or that. One guy had to go to a funeral. He was terrified of funerals. He said, I just, I just, I'm scared to death. Grown man, I'm scared to death. I don't know what's going to happen to me. I've never seen somebody I love so much dead. I've never seen it. I don't know what to do. So the ones that could go said, man, I'll go with you. I'll go with you, but you need to go. This is something you need to do. You can't run from this. Death is a part of living. You got to go. You got to honor that person. You'll regret it the rest of your life. You'll probably sit home drinking. Come on, we'll, we'll carry you there. Don't worry about what happens. If you cry, you cry. If you wail, you wail. Ain't no thing but a chicken wing. Don't worry about it. Stop worrying about stupid stuff. We'll be right there with you. And we were. God said family, this generation after generation, caring for generations, that community, your church, your neighbors, a wife, a husband, they raise their own kids after they marry. They're sexually faithful. They model that. STDs, hey, it's not a problem. We have a problem with that. Then your kids see how you care for your grand, for their grandparents, and they say, hey, you know what? Mom and daddy took care of mama and papa or papa and mama or nana or bb or peepee or whatever. You know, they got all these names. I'm going to be papa. That's what I've decided. But listen, you, you want to know why your kids don't take care of you. I'll tell you why. Because they don't see you taking care of grandma and grandpa. Your kids see you being disrespectful to grandma and grandpa, letting grandma and grandpa go by the wayside. That brings me brings me back to my mom. Listen, we had my grandma, my mom, live with us for a while. Yeah. 
she came to live with us. I darn near gained 20 pounds because she was an awesome cook. And one day before school, we asked, hey, my mom, can you make us pancakes? And she was famous for this. She made everything from scratch. I mean, scratch, scratch. Whew. And then every day after that, pancakes. Oh, no, honey, you can't possibly be full. Yes, my mom, I'm 20 pounds heavier than I was yesterday. I'm full. Nope. You got to eat. Army fights on his stomach. And I saw my mom take care. And I saw, I saw how that worked out. You see, listen, if your kids see you care for your, your parents, they're going to do the same for you. That'll be the model. But families are all broken up. They're all, that's the way the enemy wants it. They want the family all broken up. Listen, you want to know a big part of what's wrong with this country? You, you look at, and I just had a good conversation with a dear friend of mine uh, who lives and works in the black community. Uh, he's black himself. And he said, why isn't anybody else saying, you know, families are all tore up. In the black community, the, the problem in the black community isn't guns or drugs. Yes, that's a symptom. But the problem is there's no family there. Grandma can't raise but so many. And there's a lot of black people and a lot of white people that don't want to say that. You know what? That problem now isn't just in the black community. But it's a big problem there and it's killing them. And the left says, hey, you know what we have? We have programs. You're an underserved neighborhood underserved school, at-risk school, guess what we're going to do? We're going to keep you here longer. We're going to give you food in the morning, going to give you a snack, going to give you lunch, and we're even going to give you a dinner. Do it here. And while you're here, guess what? We're going to indoctrinate you in our propaganda, in our agenda, because nobody else is. Listen, missions, a lot of what uh, I studied, um, I studied Dr. Graham, Billy Graham, um, Intensely. He is absolutely my hero. And Dr. Billy Graham, he said, look, we've got to go into these countries and not just preach at them and not get these thousands of people to come forward. We've got to feed them. We've got to find a way to, to help them with the very real problems that they're facing in life. Can't just go in there and tell them the story about this man that loves them, that will absolve them of their sins and take and carry them to heaven. When it's time, their life expectancy of 20, 30 years? No, we've got to help them. We've got to feed them. We've got to give them clean water. We've got to do that. We've got to be there before. We've got to be there during. We've got to be there after the crusade. And man, he was a master at it. His team was one of the best in the world. I don't think it's ever been modeled. I don't think anybody else has ever done a better model than that. Churches. Listen, your safety net never was supposed to be the government. That's never how it was supposed to be. Never, ever, ever, ever. Not one time. Was never supposed to be the government? No, it wasn't. The government wasn't supposed to be mom and daddy. The government wasn't supposed to be the, the, the entity that thinks for you and decides for you and says what matters most to you. That society, it's not them. They're not the ones. They aren't your family. They aren't your community. They aren't your generation. They aren't your church. They aren't your neighbors. They're not invested in you. You're invested in them. So what do they do? They give you some stuff. That gets you hooked. Talk about getting hooked. Why the heroin epidemic, folks? Why in the world? So many dear people. I've told you the story of Katrina. Uh, I, I dearly love that young girl. She was just the sweetest girl, 23 years old beautiful, funny, smart, 
hardworking, delightful, and expert. She was the orthodontic technician that took care of me the three years I had braces. She's the one that worked on me the most. So every six weeks, I'd spend 45 minutes to an hour with her, and it was delightful. Just a delightful young lady. But she died from heroin. Why are we all so hopeless? Why are we? Why? Yeah, I just talked to a good buddy of mine. I talked to a good buddy of mine. And he said, listen, it's bad here in Georgia. And then I talked to another buddy of mine lives in Tennessee. Oh, man, heroin's bad here in Tennessee. And then I talked to another buddy of mine and said, oh, man, down here in Long Neck, the heroin epidemic is bad. Over here in Wilmington, it's bad. Over here in Dover, it's bad. Middletown, it's bad. Small towns all across America, people are dying, just dropping like flies. Heroin. I'll tell you the truth, it's not curiosity, it's hopelessness. Because people don't know what matters most, and they don't have that sense of community. Why are today's young people who, they'll never go hungry, look in the depression and, and in all those types of times, People were so desperate to escape them. That's why so many killed themselves. That's why when the crash happened, that first crash, you had to walk far enough away from a tall building so you didn't get hit by falling bodies. People were jumping out of buildings with that greater frequency. That's the truth. That's the truth. That's the reality that was going on then. And here we are again, except they're not jumping out of buildings. They're putting a needle in their arms. And those kids wouldn't ever go. They're not dealing with depression-like issues from the Great Depression. I'm saying not depression, but, you know, the, the suffering depre from depression, but the Great Depression, economic depression. They weren't, they're not so desperate to escape that. They're okay. This is the most information and entertainment and luxurious time in all of history. And our young people don't even want to live. They don't even want to live. Look, today's young person, they have access to every single pleasure that life has to offer. Seriously. Everything. Everything. The kids have an $800 cell phone that, that uh, you can watch movies on, on demand. You can... You can play games, you can take photographs, you can watch videos, you can take videos, you can look up everything, that little handheld computer in your hand can take anywhere in the world you want to do and do anything you want to do. Bring any information, any entertainment right into your hand. Most kids, when they go back to their room that mom and daddy provides, even if it's just mom or even if it's just dad, maybe the other person is split, there's a TV there and it's probably a flat screen and you probably have 900 channels on Pleasures of every kind. S stuff that only kings had. And yet, we are depressed, suicidal, angry, and hopeless. Hopelessness. Let me tell you something. You know, I, I do believe in chemical, uh, the chemical issues of depression and anxiety and bipolar and all these things. You know, I studied it for years. I, one of my degrees is, is it has to do with counseling. It's a counseling degree. And I've counseled, I don't know how many, how many, how many, how many people. 
And I've dealt with lots of people who are bipolar, depressed, all these other things. I've talked to lots and lots of people. Hopelessness. Suicidal. Depressed, angst-ridden. All bound up. There's a lady, uh, she is, uh, I think she's the eldest, maybe, uh, daughter of the Campanellas. Uh, John and Cindy, you've heard me talk about that many, many times. John and Cindy Campanella are some of my dearest friends. We've been friends for decades. I just love them so much. You just don't even know. And one of John's um, uh, siblings is Patricia, and she's now Patricia Campanella Nichols. Um, and she wrote this today, and I was moved by it. I really, really was moved by it. I, I was powerfully moved by it. And I said, you know what? I'm going to quote you. There is not only increased tension in the world and among nations, but I am noticing increased contention among groups, families, and just work or personal relationships in general. This, what I'm trying to describe, was addressed by Christ. Also, other places in the New Testament, even though as a mother, I am concerned about my children, but my heart goes out to the young people what they'll be facing. And anyone reading this, all I want to say is that Christ himself knew problems would occur, but he said for us to take heart because he has overcome the world. Look, the world, the world is a big thing. And sometimes, you know, we have got to break it down to the small thing. We've got to break it down to the right around where we are and realize we're not alone. We are not alone. Oh, we think we are. We convince ourselves we are. We say, hey, I'm all alone. Nobody loves me. That's that's one of the things about Eeyore. You know, Eeyore and Winnie the Pooh and all that stuff. Eeyore was the, the, the negative Nelly, the, the one that just always, I don't know. Maybe it'll rain tomorrow and I won't be able to go out into the pasture. Yeah, always something. Always something. Eeyore got lost in, 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 in his own darkness. But he had people around him that loved him. Couldn't nobody ever argue Tigger loved everybody. Yeah, Eeyore's in rehab now, Dave says. But Tigger's happy. It's a beautiful day. Always happy, always, always glad to be alive, always just so thankful and so adored. People adored him and, and he adored people. Christ overcame the world and everything in it. George Washington said this in 1795, there's but one straight course, and that is to seek truth and pursue it steadily. Let me say that again. There is but one straight course, and that is to seek truth and pursue it steadily. I'm going to tell you something. George Washington is really uh, phenomenal, just phenomenal. Couldn't have had a better first president, honestly. But I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of truth in that. There's but one straight course, and that is to seek truth and pursue it steadily. You can't pursue it for a minute. You got to pursue it forever. You can't stop. You can't back down. You got to keep moving. Keep moving forward. Go directly into it. Psalm 
Seek the truth and pursue it steadily. Folks, there's only one truth. Don't let anybody lie to you. Well, it's truth according to you. It's your truth. So a lady by the name of Diana Reed, she describes herself as a beach lover and entrepreneur. And she says this. Well, let me say this first. Listen, folks, let me just tell you this. Second call the fence. If you are a gun owner, and I mean just an owner, I don't even if you carry, you have a gun in your house, right? I'm a big Second Amendment guy, obviously. I'm, I'm real big on that. If you have that, you've got to go to drshawngreener.com or thenninjapastor.com. Go down to the red banner at the bottom. Click on that and learn about second call the fence. Complete legal protection for armed self-defense. You think your homeowner's insurance covers you? No, it doesn't. It specifically does not cover you. And listen, if you're not an internet person, even though you're listening to an internet radio show, 877-502-3300. That's 877-502-3300. And then you give them this number, 20630. If you decide that you want to sign up, which there's no long-term contract goes month to month, no big deal. But if you do sign up, you'll get the first month free if you give them this number, 20630. Or if you go to the website, it happens automatically. You click on the bottom of drshawngreener.com, that little banner, and you know you sign up for whatever level. And it's it, it's ridiculous what a deal it is. It's There are other ones out there, but there's nothing like this. This is the one I have. You can have any one I want. This is the one I have. This is the one I want. So, so Diana Reed, seven reminders of what does matter in your life, you know, and I have my things, right? And I could share those with you, um, and I will, and I'm, I'm going to do that as we go. But I wanted to share with you a different, um, I just, uh, you know, uh, maybe a different perspective. Maybe a different perspective, maybe something a little different for you. So Diana Reed writes this and she says, have you taken your focus off what really matters in life? It's not all about material wealth or the guy, the girl, the house, the car. Rather, it's about you. And once you begin to focus on what truly matters, you can change the lives of others. And I would add, and listen, um, if you help enough people get what they want, you will always have what you need. Jim Rohn. I tell you, if you listen to anybody out there, Jim Rohn and, and Zig Ziglar, if you help enough people get what they want, you'll never be in lack. You'll, you'll always, if you do that, you will never lack. So I would add that to that. You can change the lives of others. You can change your own life. Enlightened self-interest, doing it for the betterment of others. She says, as I personally, this is Diane Reed. Diana Reed is a, a beach lover and entrepreneur, but she's also a writer. As I personally walk you through a reminder of what does matter, embrace it and seek to implement the advice as though your life depends on it because it does. As simple as each reminder may appear, you will find great wisdom. Here's number one. Make every moment matter. Listen, that sounds so simple. I'm going to, I'm going to write to you what, what she says, and then I'll, I'll comment. Don't hesitate to live every moment out of your life, out of your life in the best way that you can, because living is once. Chances are rare and nothing is certain. Too often we're stuck feeling bitter about the past or thinking about what might happen in the future. We are so focused about that thing, that nebulous thing in the future, worrying about the thing. One of the reasons why I love trusting God is because I don't have to worry about that stupid stuff. Somebody said, yeah, well, you've got such high blood pressure. You've got so many problems. What if one day you can't walk? You wake up, you can't walk. That is a very high likelihood. 
in my life. I'm going to get worse, not better. So what happens? I deal with it when it gets here. God's got me. The Lord, listen, Hashem has me. Adonai Elohim, he has me. He always has, he always will. He will never let me down, ever. He never has, he never will. You say, well, he let you down, he let that guy hit you. You know what? Out of that came much beauty. Out of that came much blessing. Yeah, sure. Physical and financial loss was massive. I'll never be the same in either of those areas. But you know what? I saw my dear friends, John Campanella and Jerry Summers and so many. Listen, I could run the list. I could run the list. Rod and Jeannie, people barely knew me. So many people. So many people, not as many, this sounds crazy to say, not as many as I thought would happen, but you know, there were people that brought us meals or flowers or cards and sat with us and said, Hey, what can I do for you? Joe and Jerry Summers, you know, come by my side, be right with me. The Campanellas, I mean, listen, folks, so many other people. I know I'm forgetting somebody, I have a brain injury. What do you want me to do? Instead of being bitter about what this punk 19-year-old did to me and killed his friend, I said, look at these people. Man, they're busy people. Look, I'm friend. Hey, look here. I'm friends with busy people. Busy, successful, awesome people. And you know what busy, successful people do? A lot of stuff. They're very busy. They're very successful for a reason. They work hard. Their time is occupied doing good things, working hard making differences in people's lives. And those people are no different. I couldn't barely breathe. I couldn't eat by myself because I choke. I still do choke today. Part of the brain injuries, I don't have a sense of, of you know, the food, among the different, uh, the sizes of the food, the texture of the food, all that stuff. I don't have a sensation of that. Everybody else, when you chew food or when you put some food in your mouth, if there's a different texture there, you know it. I have no clue. And I don't know when I'm smiling, when I'm swallowing. So that's why I choked. My son would sit with me. Other people would sit with me. My son would cut my food up into the tiniest, cutest little, tiny little bites and then sit there and stare at me while I, Dad, you haven't drank anything. I'll come on and drink. I looked at that and I thought, wow, how blessed am I? Some friends disappeared and some people came out of the woodwork and they helped me. My dear friend from childhood, early childhood, Carla. Carla brought over food. I'm telling you, it's worth falling down some steps or getting in a car crash to get some of that girl's food. That girl can cook. I'm telling you. Other people brought us great food. Rod and, and Jeannie, they brought us great food. We They went and got prescriptions and did all that stuff and just were amazing. And I look at them and think, man, I'm not lost. I'm ahead. These are busy people and they're helping me. They're they're taking time out of their extremely busy life to help me. To love on me. Man. I tell you. That is a beautiful thing. Lucky, lucky man thought about it. 
we didn't even know up until I guess a year or two ago that I had died. That we didn't know it. We just missed that report, I guess, and that the two firemen had each separately run my uh, vitals and said, no, he's gone. That's why, you know, we were confused why it was called in as a double fatal. Well, that's why. Look, I'm in pain every second of every day, and sometimes I can't do simple things. Open a drawer, open a can of pickles, or jar of pickles, or peanut butter. Sometimes turning a door is hard. Sometimes turning the water on. I have to have special restrooms to hold on because I can't close my eyes or I'll fall over. My great friend Bob Hillgrove came and tightened down, re removed and reinstalled all the railing in my house so I could be safe. So many people. You know, one of the toughest times of my life, I talk about Dave Partridge, one of the toughest times of my life, that guy was busy, man, raising his family, doing his thing. One of the toughest times of my life, man, he was right beside me. Some of the hardest, most difficult times of my life, he was right there. You know who your friends are? My buddy Jerry, right there with me. My sister and my brother-in-law, they were at the hospital, I think, before I was. Now, in fairness, my brother-in-law Joe is a—he uh, is a fire. He was a fire chief, and you know, he heard it over the radio, I think, and and called my sister. My sister's a busy lady, and Shannon and Shay—they were up there, and and Shannon's husband—they were right up there, right there. Amazing, amazing. I'm ahead of the game. I'm blessed. Well beyond my deserve. But Diana Reed says, you know, too often we're stuck feeling bitter about the past or thinking about what might happen in the future. We're either holding regrets or worrying. And the truth is there's only now. You can only live in this moment right now. That's why you need to make it count. Make this moment count. What's happened has passed. And what's going to happen depends on what you do right now. Make every moment matter. Don't, don't, don't. Don't skimp on your life. Look, I'm looking right here. Let me tell you something. I'm just going to share this with you. I hope I don't cry. I'm looking right here at one of the most treasured gifts I've ever been given in my life. My dear friend, Charlie and Mary Ann Strange of the Michael Strange Foundation gave this to me. And it has written on it, CPO SEAL, Christopher Chris Kyle, retired. U.S. Navy Silver Star, BSM, and then all those other things, 1999 uh, to 2009. And it is a multi-tool. It's a custom multi-tool that this man makes for all gold stars and who have lost a child. And, you know, it's a rare gift and you don't want to be in that club. And he had one made for me because he knew Chris and I were. Now, we weren't best friends. Our friendship was fairly new. Uh, but we used to sit and talk on the phone. And then we met. Uh, I was doing a thing out in Nevada. And he was doing a thing out in Nevada. We said, well, we've got to hook up here out here. And that's the only time that we were ever in person, but we spent lots of time on the phone together. Now, you know, Chris Kyle is an American sniper and both the movie and the book. Good dude. And they gave this to me. They gave me this thing and they said, we want you to have this because I was privileged to be asked to speak at, um, at their weekend long seminar for gold stars. And I, uh, I wrote a, for this, I wrote an ebook now that you can get for free. If you, if you are dealing with grief and loss, get a hold of me, and I will send it to you free. 
contact me through the website, drshawngreener.com, D-R-S-H-A-W-N-G-R-E-E-N-E-R.com or The Ninja Pastor, theninjapastor.com. Send me a private message on Facebook, whatever you need to do, send it to me and I'll send it to you for free. I firmly believe it'll help you immensely. But I looked at this and Chris Kyle, you know, and Tara and his family and friends, one minute he was helping somebody, next minute he was dead. He and his best friend Chad. Better make the most, make the most of every moment. Because I'll tell you what, nobody would ever thought that Chris Kyle, one of the greatest snipers of all time in all of history, one of the greatest warriors, one of the greatest SEALs of all time, would die helping another person out of the war zone. My buddy Charlie, he, Charlie Strange, he, uh, you know, I talked about Jason Workman and, and Jason's father was just recently killed in a motion, literally this past week, killed in a motorcycle crash. And he, hit, he actually hit a bull elk on his motorcycle and he died. Terrible loss. Terrible loss. Wonderful people. The Workmans are wonderful, amazing people. Great people of faith. And so he, he uh, Charlie said, hey, I'm going to get one of these. And he gave me a painting, a beautiful painting. It was painting of Chris Kyle. Touch me. I, can't, I cannot tell you. Touching. Make the most of every moment. People that have lost people. They know. Don't mess around. Don't mess around and get stupid about stupid stuff and lose focus on where you are right now because you might not get a next minute. For several minutes after impact time at 618, I was free from this world. I slipped the surly bonds of earth. And for whatever reason, either God rejected me, said, Ooh, you were worse than I thought you were. Or he made a decision and said, you know what? You got more you need to be doing. Here's the next one. Sounds simple. Be happy now because happiness is not a destination. It's a journey. Sounds like a bumper sticker, doesn't it? But it's true. Don't mess around being unhappy over stupid stuff. Do you have a child that loves you and you love? If you have a group of children, maybe one of them gets you on your nerves more than the other. There's a lesson in that. If you've got friends and neighbors and uh, people that you're in, involved in your life with that love you, believe you me, you've got enough. Don't wait for something outside yourself to make you happy at some point or time in the future. That's stupid. Don't do it. Think how really precious this time, this time that you, it's all you've got. It's all you have to spend. Invest it, don't spend it, whether it's at work or with your family. Now, listen, I'm going to just tell you this right now. Earl Nightingale said this. Learn to enjoy every minute of your life. Be happy now. Don't wait for something outside of yourself to make, your, make you happy in the future. Think how really precious is the time that you have to spend, whether it's at work or with your family. Every minute should be enjoyed and sacred. Listen, I'm going to say this about that. Don't be so married to your work, you forget about your family. You say, well, I've got to provide for them. I've, they've got to have this. They've got to have that. 
my friends, don't mess around. Don't mess around. Don't give your life's blood for what doesn't live and breathe. Be a great employee. Work very hard. Give them their due and then some. But don't sacrifice your family. You don't need the fanciest car. You don't need the fanciest home. They don't need the fanciest vacation. Those things are sure nice, but they end. Find a way. Just like living for the moment, be as happy as you can when you can. We're all going to be disappointed in things. Things come along and they disappoint us. Maybe we got that job that we prayed for, and you know what? That job sucks. There's a bunch of buckets of buckets of crazy people up in that job, but you know what? For a time. For a time. For whatever the purpose, it's for a time. And then you move on. Realize that you don't have to be happy when you've attained something. Happiness is something that you choose. It's a mental state, and it attracts more things to be happy about. Man, I'm telling you, that's such the truth. I am telling you how you look at things, how you decide you're going to believe and act and appreciate. Boy, I'm telling you, gratefulness. Gratefulness, it goes a long way to providing satisfaction. Be grateful. Oscar Wilde said, be yourself. Everyone else is already taken. You better find your authenticity by searching your soul for who you really are. And you know how you do that? You figure out what matters most to you. Liar about it. Don't. You're not making a bumper sticker. You're not trying to sell yourself to somebody else. You're trying to understand you. And so if you don't feel the things other people feel, be honest with yourself about it. But you know what? Here's what's important. Be honest with other people, too, about who you are. And you can't be honest with anybody else. You can't until you're honest with yourself. Who are you? What do you really stand for? Look, it's up to you to discover your authentic self. Nobody can do it for you. I'll tell you the truth. Only then will you be free. And I'll tell you, for me personally, and for, for hundreds of millions of people around the world, that path to your authentic self is surrendering. You find it best when you surrender yourself to Christ, when you put your faith in a living God. Only then will you be free, I'm telling you. I wouldn't say if it wasn't true, I don't get another toaster for winning another to Christ. I'm telling you, it changes your life. It changed mine and countless others. Who are you? Who do you really stand for? What do you really stand for? It's up to you to discover that. Then you'll be free. You'll be free to be brave. You'll be free to blaze your own trail and say what you feel without conforming to the ideas of others. Listen, I know people right now that are in a workplace that they, they, they work in such a dictatorial bucket of crazy workplace, you can't say anything to your boss. Even though they're a bucket full of crazy. All of us have worked in places like that. But you know in your heart, you say, man, I'm here for a season. One foot after the other. Got to provide. God gave me this job. For a season. But you know what? Then you can be honest. In this in this way of life, you can be honest. When you know who you are, you can be honest with others once you're honest with yourself. I'll tell you what you need to do. You need to look to your values. You say, well, I don't know what my values are. Man, that's what you're going to do tonight. That's your homework for tonight. Find out what your values are. That's what matters most to you. Look to your values. 
you find your values and your beliefs and your faith that you actually live for, and that'll show you what you stand for. Here's number four, love deeply and give and share with others. I'm telling you. Lao Tzu said, being deeply loved by someone gives you strength while loving someone deeply gives you courage. You got to begin by loving yourself. You can't love anybody else until you have enough appreciation for yourself. Now, I'm not talking about having a big old head. I'm talking about loving yourself. One of my greatest struggles is number four, loving myself. Ain't nobody can be harder on me than me. And only when you know your true self-worth can you truly love anybody else. It's not going to happen. And you have to practice this every day because I get hard on myself. I'm telling you, I get hard on myself. Sometimes I get really down on myself, especially since the brain injury and all the physical stuff, because I get frustrated. I used to be able to do anything. Anything I wanted to do, I could do. Didn't matter how physical it was. Didn't matter how difficult it was. Didn't matter. I could do it. And now I can. And I get on myself about it. But you know what? Every now and then treat yourself nicely. Now, listen, treat yourself nice things. But if, if your biggest problem is your weight, stop treating yourself to candy and donuts and, and ice cream and pizza and all that stuff. Once every few months is fine. A little bit, a tiny bit. But look here. If that's your alcohol, if that's your drug, get away from it. It is going to be difficult, but you got to do it. But treat yourself to nice things. They don't have to be big, expensive things, but things that, that make you smile, things that make you happy. But listen, don't get into some shopping uh, addiction. It can happen. Don't think it won't. And look, look in the mirror and really, truly say true good things about yourself. Now, don't make something up. I can do everything. There's nothing I can't do. I'm a nice person, and the world is going to give me nice things because I'm nice. Now, that's the law of attraction has got a lot of holes in it. You got to say truthful things to yourself, but look in the mirror. Say good things about yourself. Why not? Why not? It'll feel weird. So what? You'll get used to it. Only way you're going to love others is if you love yourself. Number five is live your purpose. Shine like a, look, shine bright like a star. Robert Burns said this, and it's one of my favorite quotes. The purpose of life is a life of purpose. It's a bottom line statement there. The purpose of life is a life of purpose. You've got to do it. Ain't nothing to it but to do it. You have a calling, and your job is to find out what that calling is. But while you're looking for the calling, don't be unemployed saying, well, I can't work for $7.50 an hour. I can't work for $10 an hour. I can't work for this bucket of crazy boss. No. While you're finding your calling, work your job. Do a great job at it. Don't ever say, man, I did a terrible job at this place. I had a horrible attitude and I was mean to everybody that around me that loved me because I had this bad job. No, that's what God calls on us to do. Thrive in the tough circumstances. Search for your purpose in life as though your life depends on it because it does. Listen, folks, it does. If you'd have told me I'd be doing what I'm doing now, that I will be 100% disabled, but talking to almost one and a half million people every week, I'd have looked at you and laughed. Man, I'm running a business. I got, I got to make some money and pay off debt and and do good things. You know, I was always the one that loved to give. If somebody had a need, I I like to be the one to fill it. That what I, I thought that was my purpose. But my God's given me a different purpose now. Your purpose will give your life meaning, and it will give you the confidence to reach your dreams. Now, look, if you're dreaming, don't be dumb. If you're dreaming, you're scared of heights or whatever and you're not an astronaut and you're 78 years old, 
you probably ought to pick something other than I'm going to be an astronaut. I'm going to land on Mars. Well, okay, if that makes you feel better, but your dreams ought to be something you can accomplish. That's something you can immediately, upon achieving and through the process of achieving that dream, bless others. That's how you shine bright. Listen, I'm going to say this right now, and this is something that's not valued very much in today's society. But number six is your experiences are what matters the most. Eleanor Roosevelt said this. And I'm not a huge fan of her, but the purpose of life is to live it, to taste experience to the utmost, to reach out eagerly and without fear for newer and richer experience. Listen, your experiences in life truly do matter. That job that you're doing now, that you're working for the person that's a bucket full of crazy, guess what? That's experience. That's a life experience. And you can look back and you can laugh at some point. But your experiences in your life truly do matter. What are the experiences that you create for yourself? What are you doing now to create better experiences in your life? Could be a simple thing like walking in the park. Walking in the park is free. You say, well, there's a lot of crime in my park. Pick another park. Mandated to go in that park. Nobody's making you go there. Make time to experience wonderful situations that light you up. Listen, you want to know what lights me up? Saturdays. I'm not, I'm not urinating on the rest of my week. I'm just saying my Saturday is a beautiful thing. And it's what I do to help heal myself from what has happened to me. And you know what else? I go see my mom. My mom and I have a standing date on Saturday. Just me and her. Just me and her. And sometimes me, her, and my doggy. And we'll have dinner when she's up to eat. And we'll have dinner, whatever. I'll listen to her tell stories about her childhood, my childhood, different things, her friend, this happened, that happened. I love listening to it. I could listen to it all the time. Then we'll watch some news together, local news together. And we let's watch the newsman, you know, he'll go in there, or the uh, weatherman, and she really likes him. And then we'll watch some worship. We'll watch some sermons. We'll watch a fellow preach. Who knows? Whatever. Or we'll cut the TV off. That's what we say in Sussex County. We'll cut the TV off and we'll just talk to one another. Or if it's nice enough out on the porch, we'll go out on the porch and we'll just watch the birds. And we'll say, boy, Dad sure liked seeing all the birds and the wildlife, didn't he? He sure did. I make time to experience my mother. She's 87. She's not buying green bananas. I want to make time to experience her. I do not want to look back with regret. Because I'm going to tell you something. When that dear lady goes, I don't know that I won't be far behind her. I know lots of people love their moms. Man, my, my mother was very, very important in my childhood. Did she do everything right? No. Did she have a book? No. She did the best she could. That was hard to work with, I'm sure. But I don't want to look back with regret. I want to be I want to be regret free as it relates to my mom. I want to spend time with her. Have some meals together, have some laughs together, shed some tears together, pray together. And I'm not kidding you, there's nothing better than that. Here's number seven, and we're going to close with this. Values are everything. Folks, your beliefs become your thoughts. Your thoughts become your words. Your words become your actions. Your actions become your habits. Your habits become your values. Your values become your destiny. Mahatma Gandhi, I don't agree with everything he said, but i got to agree with that. What are your values? What are your values? Look, I'm not asking you to identify somebody else's values or lack thereof. 
I'm asking you to identify yours. What really, really drives you? What are your values? I'm telling you, take the time tonight to write them down. Don't just think of them. Write them down. Put them where you're going to see them. If you carry a day timer or some kind of planner, a paper planner, write them in them. Refer to them multiple times throughout the day. If you have day one or some other kind of system on your phone or your, uh, your, your tablet device, put it in there. Write them down. Look, and just because you write them down doesn't mean you can't change them. Be clear on it. Identify your values. Follow them every day. Don't violate your own values. Listen, other people will do that for you. You don't need to do that. Not only will they allow you to make the right decisions, but out of your values comes authenticity and confidence to shine, to be who you are with integrity. Sometimes you got to stand up and look at somebody in the face and say, listen, boss, I can appreciate that you're my supervisor, you're my boss, whatever, but I cannot allow you to talk to me like that. I cannot allow you to be that way toward me. I will not allow it. And whatever the cost may be to stand here and telling you that, I'm taking a stand and telling you that. You've got to be true to yourself. You've got to be true to others. Listen, if somebody in your life is mistreating you, you've got to tell them, I've been the person mistreated and I've been the person that mistreated. And I'm telling you, when somebody tells you that and you open your heart to say, maybe I'm not perfect. And they hold you accountable. They say, hey, this is real, man. You can't, you know, we can't go on until you, you, you work on this, till you acknowledge this. And sometimes it's hard to hear. Can't be true to yourself and true to others until you know your values. Values are everything. Values are everything. There are an awful lot of people that that really, really believe that what everybody else thinks matters more than anything else. You know, it matters to God. It, it, it matters to God. You matter to God. You know, this This is really powerful. Malak Alabi uh, said this, um, and, and he's a commentator, and, and he, he talks about a lot of different things. But at the end of the day, you should try to remember it's not about the number of followers you have or, or the number of likes, comments, and shares your posts are getting. It's the number of people who will be present physically present in the hospital room when you fall terribly sick. It's the number of people who will remember your birthday like they remember their first name. It's the number of people who will invite you to Christmas celebration or, or New Year's Eve celebration. It's the number of people who will actually show up to look at your newborn child or to bless your newly bought house. It's the number of people who will actually cross an ocean to see your face. It's the number of people who will wipe your tears away when one of your parents passes away. It's the number of people who will make slightly larger than a thumb's effort to be there for you. Man, I'm going to tell you something. I am going to tell you it's absolutely and completely true. Richard Carlson said this almost universally. When people look back on their lives while on their deathbed, they wish they'd spent more time with the people and the activities they truly loved and less time worrying about aspects of life that upon deeper examination really don't matter all that much. Imagine yourself at your own funeral. When you do that, when you imagine yourself, at your own, you 
This allows you to look back at your life while you still have the chance to make some important changes. Don't sweat the small stuff. It's all small stuff. Man, isn't that true? God loves you. You say, that's so simplistic. Isn't that something? Bless your heart. Saying something so simplistic as that. Well, it's true. It's true. And there are a whole lot of people out there that also love you. Now you say, there's a list of people and I can't find a single one of them who loves me. I'm going to tell you this. If that ends up being true, you've got to make some changes. If that ends up being true, then you've got to make some changes in your life because it didn't get that way by accident. You've got to make some changes in your life. Or you will be alone for the rest of your life and you'll be lonely and you'll be sad. And there's no point in wondering why, but I'll tell you, the first friend that you need to make and acknowledge is God. Nothing else matters as much as that. I think if I were to say this, if you, and, and, and look, you, you can make fun all you want, but I think what matters most is your relationship with God. And if that relationship is good, you will find everything else in your life you can get through. You can work through it. Even terrible things, terrible, terrible things, like now having two children, very, very sick. Pray for Cole and pray for Carson now. They've got two that they're dealing with. If you think of praying for somebody, pray for my dear friend, Chris Cahalan and his family. Tough times. Have you ever thought about praying for yourself? My buddy Dave says, give dominion and intentionality to God and the Holy Spirit and prepare for an exciting life. Listen, that is so true. When you turn it all over to him and you say, Father, I need help. I cannot manage this all on my own. Most people have a God-shaped hole in their life. Don't go through life like that. Don't do it. You don't have to. Even if your hurts, habits, and hang-ups are self-induced, turn it over to God. I am telling you, that's number one on the list. And I'm so fortunate that so many of you have joined us today and the people listening all around the world. I am immensely honored, immensely honored that you would join us today. It means the world to me. It really, really does. It really does. If you think of it, subscribe on blogtalkradio.com backslash the ninja pastor click on subscribe and follow there that'd be awesome i uh, really would appreciate it go to my website the ninjapastor.com the ninjapastor.com little panel will pop up if you have pop-ups uh enabled the panel will pop up and subscribe you just you're not going to get spammed we don't ever do that you might get one or two things a week tops 
if you are a part of an organization that has a, you know, a need to advertise to an audience like mine, very sophisticated, very intelligent all over the world, feel free to get a hold of us and we'll talk about it. Also, if, if you're a, a, a part of an organization that needs a speaker to come, I'd be happy to come. I'll go all over the United States, even Alaska. I say that, even Alaska. No, trust me, I'd be eagerly go to Alaska. And believe you me, uh, the cost is a lot less than you'd think. We so appreciate it. We really do. It means the world to me. When I look at the, the, the readouts here of where all the people listen to this show from all around the world, I am just blown away. Blown away. Thank you to all of you who have sent me notes. There's a donate page, by the way, on theninjapastor.com. Click on donate if you'd like to support what we do. Every penny goes back into the ministry. Every penny. Every single penny, literally. So if that's something that you're empowered to do and you're moved to do, please feel free. It's the donate page at theninjapastor.com. To the folks in chat, thank you so much for the folks that join us there and contribute so much to the conversation. It's a fun thing. If you're sitting at a computer, I don't recommend you do it on your mobile phone unless you're sitting still. You're not driving or anything because it's, you know, you don't want to do that. I don't encourage anything like that. But good lands, I'm so appreciated. I'm so appreciative of, of so many, so many things. And this audience is one of them. God bless you and keep you. Join us on Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We will, uh, we're going to deliver something real powerful on Sunday. Thank you for joining us. God bless you. Join us next time for The Collision of Faith and Politics. And please follow this show at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the ninja pastor. And follow Dr. Sean on Twitter at the ninja pastor and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash God in Country Radio and at www.drseangreener.com. In the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you for joining in this fight.